It's time for the Give Me Zone on the ref. 11. Now, this is a 12, guys. Now he's got to start worrying about qualifying for next year's Open and the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling Countess Maritimes and renting golf carts the rest of his life. We're talking PGA, college, high school, local courses, and the latest golf news. I bet you slice into the woods 100 bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can owe me. Now, it's time for three tremendous slouches. Well, we're waiting. Brian Vineyard, Josh Helmer, and Jackson Robottom. Moving day at the players. Good morning, everybody. It's the Gimme Zone right here on the ref with you, Josh Helmer, alongside the aforementioned Brian Vineyard and Jackson Robottom. Well, we've got uh, a couple of rounds in the books, though. Uh, play was suspended on Friday. We've we've caught it up. We've made it to the cut line. Some notable names not going to be around for this weekend at the players. But uh, let's start off just general takeaways the first couple of days. doesn't have to be who's not around. Brian, what has struck you the first several days at the players? Well, I'm kind of shocked at how low they're going on this course, to be honest with you. I've played it several times. It's a really tough golf course. But if you look, the wind has uh, kind of laid down, and it hasn't gotten cold like it has a few times in the past. And so I think the golf course is setting up for the taking. But, you know, in my opinion, guys, we really need to talk about who's not there for the weekend. Josh, your favorite golfer is not there on the weekend. So, um, you know, we'll discuss that. But uh, what takeaways do you have, Jackson? Well, you're right. It was a it's a shock to see some of the names that that aren't there, namely Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and 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 more shocking. I'm not going to say shocking, but definitely more alarming to me is going to be the fact that Rory McIlroy, previous champion here, isn't there in the mix. But if I'm looking at the leaders right now, I'm not all that surprised to see a lot of these names. A lot of these names have been very, very elite ball strikers. Strokes gained approach is going to be the number to look at. Going around TPC Sawgrass, Adam Svensson coming in this week. Scotty Scheffler, Ben Griffin, uh, Victor Hovland's chilling down there at four under Colin Morikawa. All of them this week are going to be top 20 in strokes gained approach. If you're looking at it, it's it's really a ball striker's golf course. And Scotty Scheffler is first in strokes gained off the tee. He's driving the ball really, really well. Adam Svensson is doing a fantastic job scrambling, and so is Ben Griffin. All things you really need to be able to do very well going into TPC Sawgrass. And through two rounds, they're the best at, at doing it so far. It's a winning formula, Josh. Well, I'm sorry. I know everybody, the greatest golfer in the history of the game, Rory McIlroy not playing this weekend. Everybody's frustrated. Count me in that camp as well. We, we wish Rory was there. But, hey, you, you can't be great every single week, Brian. It's just you can't do that on the PGA Tour. No, the, uh, yeah. the the names at the top. Of, uh, go ahead, Brian. No, I was going to say, no, you hit the nail on the head. There's so much depth and talent on the tour right now. Even the, the great ones like Rory are going to have an off week. And, you know, something we need to ponder for later discussion in this show is, is all the champion and campaigning as the PGA Tour spokesman start to take a toll on him? Well, I think if he plays poorly – that is going to be a natural point that people turn to. Whether or not there's anything to it, that's going to be an easy leap, I think, for people to make. 
What do you guys? Uh, what's your reaction to Adam Svensson at the top of the board? Uh, obviously, great couple of opening rounds, 68, 67. Uh, he's two shots clear right now of Scotty Scheffler. I want to have a more detailed look at the name that's well currently tied third right now in Ben Griffin. I think he's a fascinating storyline here at the players. But what do you make of Svensson at the top, Brian? Well, I think Spenson's one of those guys that's been an elite player for the last five, six years that a lot of people just don't really pay attention to. But the guy is a phenomenal player, and I think he's one of those guys that has what it takes to win a major. And this is widely, or at least used to be, until the live broke off, the fifth major. And, you know, I still consider it, you know, probably the fifth major if you have one, just simply because of the field. But he's a guy, I, I, I expect great things. And I certainly don't expect him to fold his tent. I think if Scheffler or uh, Griffin or any of these other guys are going to beat him, they're going to have to come earn it, not just have it handed to him. What say you, Jackson? I think you're absolutely right, Brian. I mean, I'm looking at his stat lines for the week so far, and Svensson has had a very uh, successful career. Uh, he's He's been very efficient. He's been prosperous on the tour. And he's really coming into his own this week. He's first in total strokes gained. He is not folding. His game is complete right now. You don't get there without having a complete game. Off the tee, top 25. You know, strokes gained approach, he's 12th. Around the green, 12th. Putting 11th. And then in total strokes gained tee to green, he is getting to the green efficiently. About eight strokes better than the field. And so with that lurking Scotty Scheffler fellow, they're sitting right behind him two shots back. This is not an easy go-grab-it for Scotty Scheffler or for Colin Morikawa or your Victor Hobble, your big names that are coming up. Svensson is not the kind of guy who's playing this week like he's going to fold. It's going to take something drastic today. Brian hit the nail on the head. Svensson's going to be a hard catch this week, Josh. Svensson, by the way, I, I think this was – I believe this was after uh, Friday finished up for him. But uh, here was a little bit from Svensson's thoughts so far. Yeah, I was excited to tee off. Uh, the golf course, it's amazing. It was a little bit windy today, so it was tough. But I uh, hit a lot of quality shots, made some nice putts, and uh, I know I only hit nine greens, but I played played well. The uh, can you obviously not the finish that you would have liked making the bogey, but the three birdies prior to that. Could you walk us through what was kind of working well for you with those birdies? <laughs> yeah, uh, the 15, 16, 17. 15. I can't remember what hole 15 is now. 16, I hit a, a great drive, great five iron to 40, 50 feet and lagged it down there. And then that one on 17, I rolled in a left to right slider, probably 25, 30 feet. And yeah, that was. Is, is this week? So that, by the way, was Thursday, his reaction uh, Thursday. Your leader, Mr. Svensson, is nine under par. And then something we've talked a lot about, guys is this big three that's emerging in golf. This this front portion of the schedule, it's been Scotty Scheffler, it's been John Rahm, and it's been Rory McIlroy literally, quite literally, handing off the world number one reins to one another as we've gone throughout these uh, first couple events uh, on the schedule here. Two of those three not going to be partaking in the, the weekend ahead. We, we joked uh, about Rory McIlroy not sticking around, making the cut, Brian, but just what do you make of Scotty Scheffler? Hey, he's he's right here in the thick of it. The other two, well, they're not going to be around. No, you're correct, Josh. Um, 
you know, I guess John Rahm got a stomach bug, and I've got to believe him. But he historically hasn't played real good on that Florida swing. I, I, I think uh, Jackson talked about that in previous weeks. You know, he's much better desert area, West Coast, uh, typically. But his game is he's, – he's still the guy to beat him and Shepler. But I think what you're seeing is the cream of the crop is really rising as a whole on the PGA Tour this year. And even though Rory and Rom aren't going to be around for the weekend, I certainly think that as we approach major season, Masters especially – they're going to be a lot of people's picks. I mean, what do you think, Jackson? I think that we're coming into the time of the year where Scotty Scheffler comes alive, and John Rahm is the guy to beat as of now. We're going to be moving down to Texas, I think is going to be the next time we see all three of those names together for the match play, because next week I think all the big names are going to have a break. The Valspar is coming up next week, a non-designated event, so we're not going to be having all of those big names there. They're going to want to take that rest break before they get into the first World Golf Championship event of the year. But Scotty Scheffler is getting into that stretch where he opened it wide to establish himself as the best player in the world last year. And if any indication is made, you know, the waste management, and he had a very close finish at Bay Hill, and now he's back up there again here at the players, I think – I know I know. Uh, Josh said that we're not going to pick anybody nothing, but John Rahm nothing for that the Masters. Happens. Nothing that happens between now and the Masters. I think if Scotty Scheffler takes home a win in the next two, three weeks, Scotty Scheffler's got to be the favorite defending at the Masters. I think that's what this week is solidifying right now. Well, and Brian has had this earmarked for a while that some way, somehow, I'm picking Roy McIlroy in the Masters, even though there's been this proclamation that nothing that happens between now and the Masters will change <laughs> the fact that John Rahm is the pick for the Masters. Scheffler, though, Scheffler wins this thing. It, it obviously, it, I'm not. It's not. I'm joking here. For me, I've I've seen enough to where I'm sticking with John Rom once we get to the Masters. But uh, Scheffler will change a lot of people's opinions out there. And we are going through this little, I think, teeter totter between those three at the top. When you think Scheffler, McElroy, Rom, I mean, those those have been the clear top three. By the way. Uh, Rom, as you mentioned, Brian, it was the stomach ailment, so it's not though he got outright cut. Uh, he, he what was one under par, I think, on on day one, and then uh, obviously uh, made the decision to withdraw. But it, in the process, snaps his tour best streak of twenty five straight made cuts. Now, Jackson, I can't ask you because you're looking at the same screen I'm looking at here, so I will pose this question to you, Brian: twenty five straight made cuts that John Rom had. Do you know who now takes over for the leader in most cuts made in a row? You could give me 100 guesses and I wouldn't get it. But the question, I think, to ask is if you WD, does that count as a miscut? Because, you know, basically it was the same as WD and for an injury. And clearly he was in position to make the cut. He would have had to have a poor second round to miss the cut. He would have had to shoot at least uh, three over. So, I don't know how the tour does that, but you give me 100 guesses on the next, so you fill me in. Okay, well, that's a fair little asterisk that you're putting out there for Rom, because what they've got it as 25 straight made cuts, which obviously in that world comes to a close, but it's not a missed cut. The next uh, closest would have been, and now is, Xander Shoffley, who extends his streak to 18 this week, so kind of 
kind of interesting that uh, that would be the name that uh, has the 18 consecutive made cut streak. Well, all Xander does is cast checks, Josh, and he's he's a fa- he's one of my favorite players to watch just because I like his fire, but yet he, you know, has that great demeanor as well, uh, and I think that he really is right there at that next level of when is he going to win the major? When is he going to win the, you know, break through again and win another tournament? I think he's got the game, but so that doesn't really surprise me. He just, he, he's kind of the Charles Howell of this era, right? Just making cuts, cashing checks. I was going to, I was going to compare it a little bit more closely to like a Justin Rose, just with his actual swing, his mechanic, very methodical, smooth with it. Uh, he's a very technical golfer who loves to go about his business, but I didn't think about it from the from the lens of the money making part. You're right, Charles Howell just went about his business and he made all the money you could possibly ask for early on. He just, I mean, he didn't win a whole lot, but I, I think that's a fair comparison. I, I didn't think about that. By the way, should tell you off the top, Matt Pinnell, Lieutenant Governor of Oklahoma, joining the show this morning in the back half of this hour to tell us. Uh, an interesting little golf development in the state of Oklahoma. Do I spoil the surprise, Brian? Do we just do we just come right out with it? Why uh, the lieutenant governor is joining us? Hey, we shouldn't take uh, we shouldn't take that away from Matt. Matt's a great guy, been a great help to us. Showed up, you know, for a remote we had up the PGA and Tulsa. So let's let him break it to all the golf fans out there. There you go, a little tease. But the lieutenant governor will be joining us. In the back half of this first hour right here, it's the Gimme Zone. I've got uh, an interesting comment or two from Victor Hovland. He's uh, he's no stranger to Pete Dye courses. He's not right at the very tippity-top of the leaderboard, but Hovland very much in the mix down at the players. So let's take an opening timeout. We are just underway. It's the Gimme Zone here with you on the ref. Back with you after this. So there's no way to translate the video to radio, really. I, I could play the cut, and it wouldn't even really do it justice. But did each of you see the sequencing of events with Keith Mitchell? I did not, Josh. i got to be honest. Neither did I. Okay, Neither did I. So here's what happened, okay? You, you, you're both aware there was the delay yesterday. Yes. They, they suspended play. Everybody's on everybody's on the same page on that front? Yes. Okay. So Keith Mitchell tees off, whips his shot immediately into the water, okay? From the tee box. As soon as he as soon as it leaves the tee box, boom, horn sounds, play suspended on the shot that he he drives into the water. He slams his club. It was great. It was a fantastic moment. Might have been the highlight of the whole tournament so far. Poor luck. Poor timing for Keith Mitchell. So the question is, did the horn get him, or did it sound clearly after he hit the shot? Very I mean, clearly after. The middle of the swing? V- okay. Very clearly after. It didn't – it was just the the worst sequencing of events. It's If it had happened 10 seconds later, he has the argument, hey, well, did I really, did I really swing before the horn sounded? No, he very clearly did. But he was uh, – you guys got to check that out. It's a it's a funny little clip. So this is a Pete Dye golf course at the Players, and oh by the way, Oak Tree National, a Pete Dye golf course, and one Victor Hovland was asked, you know, how how does that prepare you for the Players? Yeah, I I think so. I uh, it's just like 
Pete Dye was just great at, at, for example, a lot of par threes at Oak Tree National is he'll have like these diagonal greens and right is right by the water. So you kind of need to take it over the water to get close. And you think left is bailout, but then you hit it left and and it's a really difficult up and down. So it just kind of just really visually uh, intimidates you, tests you. Uh, You kind of have to to, to shape shots different directions to get close to certain pin locations. So uh, I think playing out there a lot has, has helped me. Do you find that even though it may be hard to see from the tee or hard to see from the fairway, there's always a good landing spot for you? Yeah, it's like when you get up there, there's plenty of room, but when you stand back there and you see the wind and, and kind of the contours of the, uh, of the, of the slopes and everything and, and how... Um, you know, if the fairway's going the opposite direction, kind of like a dog leg, it makes it just play way smaller than, than the area looks like. So, um, yeah, it's just really good design. I probably, this is probably something that everybody's been talking about for ages, Brian, that you've got Oak Tree National, that's a, a Pete Dye course, and obviously here at the players, same story. And maybe this was the case, but I don't remember hearing a lot about that when Ricky Fowler won that maybe he had some sort of advantage. And that was unique in the sense that he, what, shot five under on his final five holes or maybe it was six six under in his final five. I mean, it was – it's not even that he – it's not even almost like Ricky played the week all that well that week. He just caught ultimate fire late and then went and won. But is this something that has, has been a common thread for Oklahoma golfers or golfers with Oklahoma ties in the past that maybe they have a little bit of leg up here? Well, I don't know, Josh. I mean, Pete Dye has designed a ton of courses, and many of them have some similar characteristics. You'll see the railroad ties. You'll see, like Victor Hovland referenced, the fairway sloping left on a dogleg right, tighten up the fairway. Pete Dye loves humps and bumps in the fairway. He loves mounds around the green. He'll do a mixture of small greens and big greens. He'll do you know, but it's a real premium on iron play because what Pete Dye does is he makes it very difficult to get up and down if you miss one of the greens at his course. And in fact, if you want to score, you typically are much better off hitting it in the bunker if you miss the green than you are in the rough because he really makes it difficult and challenging if you're not at your best ball striking. He hit the nail right on the head, and that's that goes back to what we said at the top of the hour, the fact that the ball strikers are the ones that are playing well right now because they're the ones that are having the easiest time avoiding those situations that the Pete, the, the Pete Dye golf courses like to protect themselves. And a lot of that has to do with the roughs and the, the shots into the green. You have to be very, very precise with that. Adam Svensson, and Victor Hovland is handling that well. Uh, we're going to see what he does coming into the, the last two rounds here. But... We're looking at Ben Griffin and the people who know how to scramble really, really well. People who miss the green regulation but can still get up and down for par. Those are the people who are going to come out and win this this golf tournament here today. And I, am, am I miss, am I missing something there, Brian? I th- I think I mean the the, the person. No, I think, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say I think you 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 summarized it really well. The difference with Pete Dye and you you hear players say this a lot is. If you miss the green, miss it in the right place. Well, that's exacerbated on a Pete Dye course. You really cannot short side yourself. If you do, 
you outside of making a bomb of a putt, you have no chance of getting up and down. So, Brian, when when you're talking about TPC Sawgrass, you've played there a couple of times, and when when you think about where the where the real toughest stretch of golf is, right there, where the players really have to put a premium on the ball strike and really hit the green, which holes and which parts of the golf course really cater themselves to that? Well, you see it a lot on TV, Jackson. It, it's down the stretch, right? I mean, uh, 17 looks visually intimidating, but the green is massive. You can hit it the middle of the green. But if, if the pin's back right like it is on Sunday, you've got a really tough two-putt. So if you do have to ball strike, and then like 16's a risk-reward par five, that the water creeps in from the right, and, you know, if you miss it left, there's a collection area with deep rough. You can conceivably chip the ball into the water. So down the stretch is critical there. But there's some great holes, like 10, 11, 12 are just great holes. There's some par threes on the front, depending on where the pins are. If the pin's the front, the t- you know, the, it may not be a tough par three, but you go back left on that same hole, it adds 20 yards, and it's a really tight little area back there. So shot making, again, as we cannot overstate what a premium it is on this golf course. We'll continue to talk a lot about what's going on down there at the Players' Championship, but our next guest, don't want to keep him waiting whatsoever. We've got the Lieutenant Governor of Oklahoma, Matt Pinnell, joins us right now live on the call-in line. Matt, well, first off, thanks for taking time out for us on this Saturday. We know that you're, you're always busy and have a lot of things cooking, so you've got something very exciting that uh, that you're cooking up for the state of Oklahoma. We've we've. Save the surprise for you, Matt, but first off, uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us, but what are you working on in the state of Oklahoma, or at least one of the many things that you're working on right yeah. now in Oklahoma? Well, thanks for having me, guys, on, uh, on this Saturday morning. Um, we, uh, we announced a, a few weeks ago that uh, Oklahoma is going to get its very own Oklahoma golf trail. Uh, Sheila Dills, uh, former uh, professional golfer uh, years ago, she was a state representative, uh, she sponsored this legislation uh, to create a commission that will then go pick out the golf courses that will be uh, on this Oklahoma Golf Trail. Uh, so we, we announced uh, a couple weeks ago again that, that this was a thing. Uh, we announced our commissioners uh, that uh, we have seven or eight around the state of Oklahoma. You know, everybody from we got a golf course superintendent on there. we got a guy that's played literally every golf course in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, you may have probably interviewed him. Uh, over the years, we, we got uh, uh, a publisher of Golf Oklahoma Magazine. So we have a really good group of individuals that are now going to get together and pick the golf courses that are going to be on the Oklahoma Golf Trail. Matt, thank you again for joining us. You were gracious enough to come to, to our remote up at Ash Cigar Bars in Tulsa when we had the PGA there. Tell us your vision of what this Oklahoma golf trail means and what that will do for adding tourism dollars to our state. Absolutely. Well, I I mean, I'm all about playing to our strengths. Uh, I mean, if you've heard me give a speech before uh, and you know, we have the Oklahoma outdoors are amazing. I mean, everything, you know, we have all these man-made lakes. So I'm, I'm, I'm promoting our Oklahoma fishing trail. I've promoted that for about four years now. Uh, And, you know, we've got all these great lodges and state parks we have a lot. We have a lot of great. <clears throat> we got a lot of great golf courses as well as you all uh, obviously know. Well, I, I just I think the state should be doing a better job of promoting them because when we do promote 
something that is authentic to Oklahoma, something that is very popular. And today, obviously, golf rounds are, are going up, not down, which is a great thing for this country. Uh, when we promote those things, more people show up and they spend more money in those communities. Uh, so it not, it's not only helping the golf courses and, and the more rounds being played, that means there's more money that can be put into uh, maintaining and, and renovating golf courses around the state of Oklahoma. But it's a lot of sales tax revenue that's created in those communities. I mean, everything from restaurants to, uh, to gas stations and everything in between. So, uh, you know, you got every, you know, avid golfers know about the, uh, the Alabama golf trail, the Robert Trent Jones golf trail there in Alabama. Louisiana has a golf trail. Arkansas now has a golf trail. There is no reason why Oklahoma should not have a golf trail to promote all these amazing uh, golf uh, courses that we have in the state of Oklahoma. So I'm pretty tenacious about that. Let, let's promote what we have in Oklahoma. Uh, let, let's let's play one or two more rounds in Oklahoma versus going to another state and dropping sales tax in those states. Let's promote what we have in our own backyard. Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell with us right here on the Gimme Zone. I think it's fantastic, and it's terrific for tourism. Definitely see the vision there, Matt. I'm curious the selection process. You, you talked a little bit about it off the top, but can you expound on that? What will the selection process for courses look like? How many are you thinking that you'll include? What will that look like? Yeah, it's probably going to be in the 15 to 20 course range. So we want to keep it still, you know, fairly exclusive. But but we're not talking about private uh, exclusive golf clubs. I mean, you're not going to see Southern Hills on the Oklahoma Golf Trail. Sorry, uh, but uh, there, there's just not real public access over there. So we're, we're going to be making sure that we promote some of the hidden gems around the state. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that it, it will be a surprise to anybody that, you know, probably Boiling Springs uh, golf course out in western Oklahoma is going to be on the golf trail. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's become uh, a pretty popular course, uh, a regional destination at the Sand Dune uh, golf course. So, you know, that, that's an example of a golf course that I think you'll, we'll, you'll hear about. Uh, but, again, 15 to 20, we, we will make this statewide. I mean, th- this is not going to be just something for northeast Oklahoma uh, or, or, you know, southeastern Oklahoma. Uh, there, there's going to be a little bit uh, of, of, I think, flavor around the state of Oklahoma to really show our diversity. Uh, it may be a little similar to the Oklahoma Fishing Trail. Oklahoma Fishing Trail is really to – we have different loops around the state of Oklahoma. So we have a northwest loop, a northeast loop, and it shows off the diversity of our, of our fishing. I, I think you may see something similar with the golf trail. That being said, you, you know, we haven't gotten these commissioners together yet. Uh, to kind of explore that. We're going to look at what other states are doing uh, when it comes to their, their golf trails, uh, but we're going to be unique. I mean, uh, what, we're going to play to the diversity that we have in Oklahoma. Uh, again, you can play Boiling Springs and, and uh, Cedar Creek down in, in southeastern Oklahoma almost in one day. Uh, that's very difficult in other states. Well, Matt, I, I love the vision. You know, I've, uh, I've, I've been a big golfer my whole life, and I've done – many of those courses on the Alabama golf trail and, and, and their vision I think was fantastic. And, and I, I think I, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I think they were out ahead of everybody else and they do a great job of promoting their golf trail. What mechanisms yes. do you envision Oklahoma uh, utilizing to promote this golf trail once we get the courses established on it? Yeah. And see, this is another real key point. I mean, I'm pretty, t- you know, I'm the sales and marketing director for the state of Oklahoma, essentially as, as Lieutenant governor, kind of the salesman for the state, you, you better believe I, I, uh, 
I defend and care about marketing the actual attraction, right? So, like, we can create a, a bunch of different trails, everything from golf to, to fishing. But if you're not putting marketing dollars behind it, uh, you know, telling people in Texas, telling people in Arkansas that we have world-class golf courses in Oklahoma, then guess what? They're not going to show up at them. So, you know, that is a big piece of this Oklahoma Golf Trail Commission as well. Uh, we have an individual on here that, that is in uh, the marketing. Uh, I mean, he's in the marketing industry, so we, we made sure to have somebody that had an expertise in that area. Uh, so we will be raising dollars for this. Uh, there could be state-appropriated dollars in, in future years. Uh, but, you know, we, we plan on kind of putting together kind of a 501c3 organization so that we can be raising money for this. And that money will be lockbox to actually then promote those golf courses. Because, as you said, that's what Alabama does. <clears throat> that's what Louisiana does. Uh, they do a really good job of promoting those, those courses. You know, when I read Oklahoma Golf Magazine and I'm opening it up and it's, it's promoting golf courses in other states, I mean, as Secretary of Tourism, I get pretty, uh, I pre- I get pretty territorial about that, right? Like, I, I want to be reading about, about Oklahoma golf courses. Uh, and, and there's also a, a, a fund over at our Department of Tourism, our promotional fund. I think there will be dollars uh, that from, from that promotional fund uh, to, to be promoting this Oklahoma Golf Trail as well. So you will see promotion behind this trail. What's the feedback that you've gotten on this? Because obviously you mentioned the, the Alabama Golf Trail, the Louisiana Golf Trail, Arkansas. So this this concept has existed out there elsewhere and it's been a successful model so what has the feedback been like when you've said hey we want to put this together this oklahoma golf trail yeah i mean it's it's it, we've had some some wide widespread excitement uh about this and and i you know I, I i tell people all the time i don't if you golf or not you should care about uh promoting oklahoma golf courses because again that's going to be that's going to mean more people coming uh, to Woodward, Oklahoma, for example, uh, it, you know, if they're playing Boiling Springs or, you know, uh, Broken Bow, if they're playing Cedar Creek, or obviously there'll be some courses in Tulsa and Oklahoma City, I would imagine, on this on this trail as well. So, uh, you know, it, it, and I say the same thing about fishing. If you fish or not, uh, you should care about the millions and millions of dollars that we are generating right now off telling people just to come to Oklahoma to go fishing. So there, there has been a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, there may be some, some hurt feelings if, if uh, someone's golf course is not selected. Uh, we cannot be all things to all people with this trail. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to have a situation where you're going to have 50 to 100 golf courses. That's not how any of the other states do it uh, with their trails, uh, with their golf courses as well. Uh, but there may be some golf courses that may be five or ten minutes away from a golf course that is on the trail and, you know, you all know this better than anybody. I mean, an avid golfer that's coming to Oklahoma, they're going to be playing more than one, one round of golf. So they may play a course that's on the, on the golf trail, and they may play uh, the, 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 another course that's five or ten minutes down the street. No, Matt, I, I love the fact that you're doing this and, and that you've taken the leadership role in promoting what we have in Oklahoma, and I think that's great because I do think, Golf is one of those sports that people can do at all stages of their life, and promoting that as a vehicle to, or using that as a vehicle to promote our state is outstanding. And so, you know, really appreciate it. And we look forward to working with you in the future to help you promote that. And any any matter that we can help, let us know for sure. 
Well, we appreciate it. I, I assure you I'll want to get back on uh, with you all to, you know, kind of announce uh, these these golf courses. Obviously, that, that'll be that'll be the bigger the bigger splash will be once we once we have the courses uh, that we can kind of talk through. I'm really excited about that. Don't have a timeline for you uh, on that, but I, I think we should be able to get those courses, uh, you know, kind of on a, on a sheet of paper from these commissioners this year. Uh, our first meeting is going to be in April, uh, so that'll be our initial meeting, uh, and, and I have no doubt that we'll probably be able to get these courses uh, named and announce those sometime this year, maybe even sometime this summer. Just one more, if I can, Matt, before we get you out of here, and really appreciate you. Matt Pinnell, Lieutenant Governor of the State of Oklahoma, has been joining us to talk about the Oklahoma Golf Trail. We, we said 15 to 20 in that neighborhood for courses. I just think about some things that the PGA Tour has done where they've got rotating designated sites. I mean, is there any chance that – you mentioned this, that there can be some hurt feelings maybe for a course or two if they're not selected uh, as part of this exclusive group. Is there any chance that you could have any sort of rotation with a couple of courses? Yeah, I, I think so, uh, absolutely. And, and, and I would also say I hope, you know, one of the, one of the things that happens here is you, you've got a lot of courses that, that say, hey, we want to get on the trail in five years but our course isn't there yet, you know, and, and it's something for, you know, a golf course superintendent to be working towards that. Hey, you know, it, it's a goal of, of, of our, of our uh, municipal course to be on the Oklahoma golf trail in five years. And, and there's no reason why we, we won't be, I, I think adding, you know, potentially additional courses uh, in, in the years and decades ahead. That's what Alabama's done uh, with a few courses as well. So we hope that this, uh, you know, creates some competition, frankly, uh, in, in some ways as well. Uh, but, yeah, the rotating, uh, that, that is absolutely something I think commissioners will be talking about. Well, that's, that's great to hear. That's awesome. We look forward to talking more about this in the future. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, hey, thank you so much for your time. We know that uh, your time is precious, so thank you for joining us this morning. Absolutely appreciate you guys and all you do to promote the state and uh, our sports, all sports uh, around the state of Oklahoma. We, we really appreciate it as elected officials. It's, uh, it's our pleasure. Matt, hey, have a, have a great rest of the weekend, okay? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome right there talking about the Oklahoma Golf Trail. That's uh, a lot to dissect, but very cool, Brian. No, it's fantastic. Like I said, I, I played most of that uh, uh, RTJ Trail in Alabama. Fantastic courses. We've got a, a, a plethora of outstanding courses that aren't private golf clubs in Oklahoma. And, you know, I think this is just exciting for the state of Oklahoma. And just another way to showcase the great attributes of our state uh, and, and generate tax dollars. So we've got to play a little bit of catch up on the on the break side. But I didn't want to keep the lieutenant governor of the state of Oklahoma waiting. <laughs> We're not going to keep him waiting. So let's take a break. We'll come back and get back to talking some players and more with you right here. It's the Gimme Zone. Give me some rolls on here. Happy Saturday, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. Want to uh, remind everyone, krefsports.tv, 2 o'clock. We got a state championship we'll be broadcasting for you. Norman High versus Edmund North, 6A girls basketball. Brian, it's going to be fantastic. Can't wait. No, Josh. And, oh, by the way, you're going to be doing that with uh... – Andrew, is that correct? That's right, me and Mr. Andrew Himes. I'll let uh, I'll let him grab the reins, and I'm just there for uh, emotional support. <laughs> hey, this is fantastic. You know, 
our, our KRESports.tv is taking off, and we're just very blessed to have some great school systems in that. We've got Edmond, Norman, Moore, and Deer Creek. Oh, and by the way, Thursday just recently added Piedmont coming in next year. So, great time. When you look at the state tournament, we had four of our boys' teams and four of our girls' teams in. So, well represented and just blessed to be able to uh, broadcast that event and to have you and Andrew do that. Yeah, I can't wait. It'll be uh, a ton of fun. And again, it's worth mentioning this, completely free. KRefSports.tv, there is no hey, it's the state championship game, so we're taking 10 or $15 for you to watch it. No, it is, uh, it is completely free, so we're looking forward to that. We, we do have to play a little bit of catch-up, so let, let's do that right here. Let's get back on the clock. But, again, the lieutenant governor, Brian, I'm not going to make the lieutenant governor wait through a break. So that was pretty cool that he got to join us. Cam Smith is uh, your defending players champion. Cam Smith is not – playing in this tournament as your defending players champion so I just I wanted to spend a little bit of time dissecting that and revisit one of the comments that you made I think it was last week Brian about should there be events that we work together on to have well the best golfers in the world play together in an event like this and I I don't think that light shines any brighter than the fact this week you got a defending champion that's not taking part in the event. So let's uh, kick it around next. It's the Gimme Zone hanging out with you right here on The Ref. Back with you after this. Back with you. It's the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. It's Players Week and the Players Champion, defending Players Champion, not, not taking part. And I understand, of course, the reason for why cam smith is uh, not in this event he defects he goes to the live tour it all makes sense i i get that there had to be at least from the pga tours standpoint brian some sort of there had to be some sort of repercussion right for defecting and going to the live and not playing on the pga tour at least that's how they saw it initially so I get why we don't have the defending champion here right now and i understand that well going forward you're not going to have that problem because Folks that have defected to the live, they're not playing in the Players' Championship going forward. But I couldn't help but stop and think on a week like this that it just sort of stinks, doesn't it? That something that's regarded as the fifth major, and okay, what does that mean? Is it really a major? No, it's not. But it's one of the big events in in golf, whether it's the PGA Tour, whether it's the Live Tour. This is one of the events that a bunch of people most look forward to. Cam Smith. Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, these folks should be in this event. They're not. I understand why they're not, but I revisit now the comment that you made last week, Brian, that is there some sort of common ground we can get to to where, at least for this type of event, maybe it's not every PGA Tour event, and I understand there's a level a, a level here for the PGA Tour to say, well, this is the price you pay, right? You don't get to play in the players now, but – Man, it'd be nice for golf, wouldn't it, if this type of event, there was an exception made? Well, I, I think it, it was a childish response made by the PGA Tour and, and a territorial-type response because they felt like they were losing control. And if you know anything about the PGA Tour, their commissioner is all about control. He has ceded some of that, obviously, with what's happened with the changes on the tour. But I do think... We will get there at some point. It's just going to take longer than we'd all like. 
you know, I do think, you know, it, it will come after we get the official world golf rankings to recognize live events. It will come after that. And then I think the way you would structure it is based on your world golf ranking and, and have the, you know, for certain events, the top players are admitted, but Hey, the funny thing is Cam Smith is virtually there. Did you guys read it? He's literally like two miles down the road yes. at a Muni course playing, paid his own green fees and was buying, buying uh, adult beverages for everybody there. Cam Smith is just a treasure, isn't he? <laughs> I know he's not playing at this event and, I, I know he's probably I know he's probably sad about it, but there's also an element of the fact that in, in terms of going back to your question, Josh, this is actually I think this would actually be a harder sell to get live players involved in than the majors because this is the players' event. This is the players of the PGA Tour, and as such, bringing in players who are not on the PGA Tour would kind of damage the moniker of the event minus public outcry to make something happen with this. And so until the outcry from the public, I think, is loud enough and the the ratings start falling with it, you're going to have a hard time getting live players into this event a much harder time than you would in the majors, I think. What do you think about that, Brian? Do you agree with that? Well, from a technical standpoint, Jackson's correct. Um, it is the it would be diff- it would be the same as any other PGA Tour event because it's you know the players champion and you've got to be a tour member and all of that. However, the thing to ask is: Have they granted exemptions to foreign players before that to get them in that event that that are not full time players on the PGA Tour that play the DP World Tour and that sort of thing? And back when those European Tour players played over there more often they were still in this event jackson that's a fair point that's a fair point and i think a lot of that has also has to do with the fact that those those two have worked in tandem in the past and right now the dp world tour and the pga tour are working together to bring events together in a way that the live event and the pga tour are not either and so there's got to be that correlation like you were saying brian between the live and the pga tour that needs to happen down the road, and it, it will happen down the road. You're absolutely right. But that needs to happen before live players are going to be able to play in this. What does the board look like? Moving day is underway from the players. We'll dive into that next. Uh, one, one more little piece on Cam Smith when we get back to, and then Phil Mickelson, a billion dollars? We'll tell you what all that means in hour number two. It's the Gimme Zone right here on The Rev. <laughs> 